everyone and welcome to today's podcast which I'm going to call my tough love episode. I wanted to do this episode because sometimes I feel a little bit of a kind of harsh reality check is sometimes what people need. Now this is all kind of still come from an empathetic point of view. I totally appreciate everyone's lives are different, everyone's pressures in their lives are different, everyone's kind of physical and emotional setups and structure is different in their lives as well. But as I said, sometimes for people to reach their goals or to be able to achieve their goals, they need a reality check into realising if they're going to get there or not, and if they're not going to get there, why? And that's what this podcast is going to be for. So predominantly, we're going to be looking at people that are trying to achieve fat loss goals. Uh, But some of the principles that I talk about here uh, might cross over into other aspects of your life and goals as well. And it's all a personal opinion. There is some evidence kind of based research within it. But this is kind of what I find with working with clients and seeing which clients achieve results and which clients, unfortunately, don't achieve results, as well as understanding the history of kind of when they failed and tried at diets before in regards to what the common themes that run between them. So my my first bit of tough love is really about whether the goal that you are wanting to achieve actually is something you want to live so what do I mean by this well let's say you are one of the many people that are looking to lose body fat and they have dreams of being in a smaller body um, and their dreams of maybe hitting a certain scale weight so let's say they want to be 10 stone and they want to be a size 10 um, etc etc my first pushback and tough love to this would be is are you willing to live the life that it takes to sustain that weight and that's about looking at people around you sometimes and seeing people that may be in the size body that you want that maybe physically look like what you want and I say this because most people come to fat loss goals with a physical appearance target now as a cataract to that I caveat should I say um a lot of people when they achieve fat loss they actually gain a lot more so they it's the feeling of kind of feeling fitter and being smaller that's sometimes what they end up really enjoying but most people go into a fat loss goal physically wanting to look a smaller size so when I'm saying comparing yourself to someone else I am looking at the physical comparison here so think of someone you know that might be in a body size that you idolize you want to strive for that on paper is what you're going to be at when you reach that goal now compare your life to their life in relation to what they do in regards to exercise, in regards to walking and activity, what they do in regards to their eating habits and their drinking habits, for example. Because for you to sustain a body that is significantly smaller than what you are now, or maybe either a tiny bit smaller than what you are now, something in it is going to have to change. And I find the biggest thing for people that don't succeed in their goals either in the short and the long term or just the long term because they actually don't want to live the life that it takes to sustain themselves at that smaller size and I get this a lot from clients I said this is I'm not talking about anyone in particular here but a lot of these examples do kind of happen in reality where on a fat loss goal on a fat loss kind of journey A lot of diets um, will incorporate obviously eating a lot more nutritious foods in regards to being non-processed and a lot more homemade cooking and a lot more protein in their diet 
and a lot less processed heavy kind of foods. And they will generally involve a lot more walking um, to get your step counts up. They will generally incorporate kind of exercising in them. And that is because evidence shows that is where people that want to achieve fat loss long term need to be to achieve their goals. But if you're sat listening to this and actually you don't want to go out walking, you really have no interest in exercising and every time you eat anything that isn't processed, it feels like you're on a diet or you're being a rabbit and you're just eating lettuce all day. If you always feel like it's just something you're having to to do now and you really don't want to do it in the long term, here is the reality. You are not going to sustain the results that you're achieving or you want to achieve. Now, that's not me trying to be the pessimistic here and say, don't strive for things. What I'm trying to be here is the realistic person say, you have got to align your goals to a life full of values that you are happy to live and you want to live. So I'm going to talk through the types of things which evidence shows are going to most likely help you achieve fat loss and lose fat loss. And it comes then down to you in regards to would you actually like your life to involve these things? Because if you want it to involve these things, then that's your catalyst to start doing them right now. And if you don't want your life to involve these things, then you need a reality check on what you're actually aiming to achieve because you can't have it all. You can't live the life that you're currently living, doing the things you're currently doing, eating the things you're currently eating in the same quantities and amounts and expect suddenly a different result. That's just not how life works. And let's step back and use an analogy of finances. Let's say you need to save some money. You want to go a big holiday. You've got this big £3,000 holiday booked in that you want to go to next year, but you have no finance as well at the moment on how to fund it. So you need to save some money. You can't carry on spending the same amount of money as you do already and earning the same amount of money as you do already and expect this pot of savings to just appear for your holiday next year. It doesn't work like that. You would either need to start earning more money, maybe doing an extra job, doing extra hours, um, maybe becoming more efficient and working faster so you can get through more jobs and earn more money that way. Or you're going to have to make some savings somewhere. And those savings could be short-term, little quick savings on, on individual purchases. And some of them are going to be long-term savings so you can accrue that money year after year, especially if you want to make this annual holiday something you do every year, not a one-off. Now, if you apply that same theory from how you would save money for a big ticket purchase next year and then every year after that, you can bring that back to understanding how that's going to impact you and your body now. So first thing that's going to really help with your fat loss, and I said, if you're one of my coaching clients or you've got any idea in regards to fat loss by now, you should hopefully understand the majority of your fat loss or fat gain is going to come through your choices of what you're eating. And we know now, yes, you can technically lose body fat on any diet in regards to what I mean by diet is by eating anything, okay? It does ultimately come down to the calories that are absorbed into your body and transferred into energy. But to make that sustainable and to make that something that you can, meals that you're going to enjoy, meals that are going to energize you, meals that are going to satisfy you and not leave you feeling hungry, there are certain aspects of your diet that you are going to want to include. You are going to want to include lots of lean protein. 
you are going to want to include lots of bulky foods that we call fibrous foods, like fruits and vegetables and pulses. We are going to want to include some slow-release carbohydrates, like whole grains. You are going to want some good fats in there, so things like from nuts and seeds, things that have got full of nutrients and full of minerals, which are designed to give your body all the different things it needs to work efficiently and effectively and work in a healthy manner. Now, yes, within that, you can chuck in some more processed foods. You can have things that maybe don't tick those nutritious boxes but are enjoyable. But 80% of the food that you're going to want to eat to sustain a smaller body while still getting all the energy requirements that your body needs and all the nutrients that it needs are going to need to come from the lower processed items that have got the higher nutrient value. So think to yourself on that one. Are you willing to change your food intake for the long term? Because that is what it's going to need to take. You are going to have to involve some regular activity into your day. And by activity, this can be formal exercise or this can be kind of non-formal, kind of just general movement, walking, being very active just around in the garden or whatever it might be. Being active generally, because that is going to bring your total daily energy expenditure up to a level which is going to match on par to kind of having three good sized meals a day plus maybe some snacks if your energy expenditure is sitting so low because you're in a sedentary job and you're in a sedentary lifestyle where you would choose to spend your time away from work either on the sofa watching tv or playing video games or sat down watching your kids at a, a club after school or going for a coffee shop to see a friend, if everything you're doing in your life involves really kind of sitting down or not really moving very far, your energy expenditure is going to be low and it is going to constantly be hard to create the energy balance needed to maintain your weight or calorie deficit to lose the weight. So the more regular activity you can get into day-to-day life, the easier you can sustain that. And you will find that if you actually look around at most people that you would say are in a body type that you might be striving for, you will probably find that a lot of them are very active in their life as normal. The next thing we talk about here is in regards to your mindset. So a lot of customers that I come across don't want to tune into what their mind's doing. They don't want to think about what they're doing. They don't want to think about how they feel about what they're doing. They just want to look forward and look at the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But unfortunately, that's not where success comes. Success comes from reviewing things you've done, from learning from mistakes, from identifying weaknesses, by identifying areas that might be a struggle for you so you can mentally prepare for them. And if you don't tune in to any of that stuff that your mind is doing, you are constantly kind of going to be setting yourself up for a kind of potluck, win or fail situation. You're going to be constantly relying on willpower to do so. So what you need to do if you want long-term change is you need to get used to being very mindful about stuff. Now, you can go into meditation, you can go into forms of meditation like yoga, or you can just start journaling, so you kind of reflect on your feelings, on how things have made you feel, and how you would change that next time, and how you prepare for situations if you wanted to. It also can be really applicable in regards to your actual eating habits. So something we talk about is this um, mindful eating. So actually paying attention to the food you eat is proven to reduce down the amount of calories you eat because you're enjoying all the senses of eating. 
not just waiting for your stomach to feel full and then stopping. But if you don't have the will to want to get to know yourself and get to know your brain and get to know what makes you tick and get to know those feelings, you're going to have a very, very, very difficult road ahead. That links to as well for people that might have a more um, extreme end of that kind of mindful eating where, where they're not only not focusing on what they're eating, but they've actually got quite a lot of emotional eating disorder. Now, you might think that means they're very connected to the food, but actually it's quite the opposite. So instead of being very aware of what they're eating and tuning into those senses, they use food and eating or drinking as a way to mask their emotions. So they, and you'll find this often, so some people, when they get stressed, they will stop eating. And some people, when they get stressed, they will eat everything in sight. And at the extreme end of that, it can come into a binge eating disorder as well. Now, if you are at the more extreme end that there are binge tendencies there, those binge tendencies need help and support to fix. Now, that might be from a professional through therapy, it might be through someone that deals with eating disorders because any type of binge eating is an eating disorder. Um, or you might be able to work on it yourself, but for to work on it yourself, you're going to need to be mindful with yourself and tune into yourself and reflect and learn along the way as well. And if you are emotionally eating to cover or deal with stress, then what you are going to also need to do is identify the root cause of that stress. Now, it's very easy for me to say, well, just deal with the stress, just eradicate the stress. Stress is the problem. But I totally get that you cannot just get rid of stress, but with some effort, you can eliminate it or limit it, shall I say. So if you know stress is coming from toxic relationships, toxic friendships, work environments that make you really unhappy, you might well be able to change those things. They might be big life changes, but actually stepping away from a friendship that's not bringing you anything stepping away from a relationship that the only thing you kind of still got going is a long anniversary that's it stepping away from a job that actually is causing you sleepless nights every night will actually have a positive impact and if you're finding your stress is more related to small things during the day which unfortunately end up as big things in your mind then creating techniques on how to manage that stress and disassociating the stress with hunger or stress with eating is going to be really important as well. So learning ways to cope before you get into a high level of stress. So managing it low is going to be really fundamental to your success. One of the next things I want to discuss that's going to be really crucial to you succeeding in your goals and often something I see with the reason why people aren't reaching their goals or sustaining their goals is the consistency that they're willing to apply to stuff. So people who quite often sporadically do really good kind of actions and and habits and behaviours that will align to their goals, but they do not do them consistently, either because they don't enjoy them or because they just forget about them or because they kind of let life take over and that consistency of these activities go. Then that could be consistency of their eating habits, consistency of their movement habits, consistency of their exercise habits, consistency in regards to how they manage their stress. All those things we've touched on already, consistency is going to be the key to keeping this long term. So if you're doing stuff now as part of your dieting fat loss stage, but you know already that you're very hit and miss on it. Some weeks you'll do it, some weeks you won't. Some days you'll do something, some days you won't. 
and there's always things that kind of get in your way of being consistent with them, then that's going to really have a big implication in regards to your success and reaching that goal and your success in staying at that goal weight or size or fitness level, whatever it might be. So tuning in to your willingness to be consistent is going to be really important. The last big factor that comes into uh, when they've looked at research and who is most successful and why people are most successful on a fat loss journey. And that is your support system. So I often have clients come to me that want to keep their journey a big secret. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want their partners to know about it. They don't want their family members to know about it. They won't tell their work colleagues about it. And I'm sure that probably comes from a slight embarrassment, a a slight place of shame, because a lot of people that are on a fat loss journey don't like the person they currently are, feel ashamed of kind of how they've ended up in that position they are. So they don't reach out for a support system, but then they're really trying to do it alone. And I even find that with my group coaching clients, there's a lot of people will very happily message me one-to-one, but not want to ask something in front of the group. And that, again, I think comes from that same point of people don't like to feel weakness. They don't like to show kind of lack of knowledge. Um, People are sometimes embarrassed in regards to having questions on stuff. But that support system is proven to work. That's why some of the biggest dieting clubs in the world are based around going to a group environment every week because at least you create a community of people around you that are like-minded, that have your similar goals and similar aims. Now, that's probably as far as those diet companies are good for is creating a culture and a community but it is the reason why that is so fundamental to what they do and how they're successful now if you're going to want to achieve your goals in the long run you need those people that are around you those five people that are probably closest to you in your life to be on your team to strive for your goals with you now that might be as simple as when you ask I don't know let's say your husband is cooking dinner for you that he knows what your goals are, he understands and he's listened to the types of foods that you want to eat or the portion of food that you want to eat and he serves you up something that's going to be quite in line with that, he doesn't bully you into eating something quote-unquote off plan because it's his night of cooking and you just need to forget about your diet for that night, you need to get these people on board, it might be someone else actually you know your colleagues that work really well and they know your weaknesses and you know that actually if you get offered chocolate or cakes every day, you're probably going to say yes to them every day. So it's actually getting them on board and understanding that you don't want to be offered them. You know they're there, you know you can access them if you want them, but you don't need them kind of thrust in your face. Having that support system is going to be fundamental. So one of the first things I often try to say to people when they're coming on to coaching is to get their families, their partners, their friends and everyone involved right from step one because they can also celebrate every success with you if they're part of your life they probably love and respect you very much so they probably do want to celebrate every part of your journey with you so you holding them at arm's length and not wanting to tell them having the secrecy is actually holding a massive part of yourself out from them so if that was tough love number one in regards to making sure you understand what your life is going to need to look like and involve to not only reach your fat loss goals, but also sustain your fat loss goals for a long term, then the next kind of tough love question is if you're assuming you're already on a journey of wanting to achieve fat loss, or maybe you're looking back in times that you've tried to achieve it before, did you actually put your best foot forward? Were you actually doing those actions and those behaviours? And were you actually trying 
to make the changes in your lifestyle so that your life then actually looks like a lifestyle that deserves those results that you are after? Are you actually making a bigger effort to be more active, to do more exercise, to build more muscle? Are you really trying to alter your nutrition for the long term? So you are getting more unprocessed foods in, you are getting more lean proteins in, you are focusing on making meals that are going to keep you fuller for longer. Are you actually doing all those steps? Now, if you are early in your kind of fat loss journey, you kind of recently either started coaching with me or you've recently started any type of diet that you might be trying, you are not expected to be perfect straight away. You're not expected to be perfect even at the end of the road, but you need to be consistently trying to make small improvements to get a different result because your body at the moment is a result of its current average actions. If you want a body that looks different to what you have now, you need a new average of new actions. So something is going to have to change and it's going to be probably more than one thing. It's going to be collective changes across lots of different things. So really have an honest conversation with yourself as do you think you're putting your best foot forward on every opportunity that you've got? As I said, we're not expecting perfection. We don't expect you to suddenly magic up another five hours of the day every day. But we do need to think is every time you have an opportunity to make a choice, whether it's how you're spending any free time, how you're traveling to the shops to work, the foods that you're choosing to buy in the shops, the foods that you're choosing to choose in a restaurant, what you're choosing out of the cupboard when you go at your nine o'clock p.m. munchies time, all of those times and choices that you have are you making the most optimal choices 100% of the time, 80% of the time, 50% of the time, maybe even 10% of your time? If you're anything less than kind of 80% of the time, you need to realise that that is going to affect your progress. Now, I say 80% because I think 80% is a really good position to be. You always want to have this 20% freedom where you can enjoy the things that you stereotypically think you enjoy you can kind of take the foot off the accelerator a little bit, you can still socialise, that's all the stuff that comes into that 20%. The 80% of your life needs to have consistency of hitting those actions that align with the goals and the results that you are after for the long term. So let's say you're not, let's say you are actually an honest conversation, you are only hitting 50% of the time the actions are in line with your goals, or in 30, 20% of the time they are. The next big question for you to have is what is stopping you? Because something is, something is stopping you from implementing the what might be really quite small changes into your life. Now, this is going to be different for everyone else. uh, But these are the types of things that I see quite commonly across the people I work with or across kind of general population where I have conversations with people in regards to kind of their previous dieting history and the successes and those that have achieved their goals and lived those goals for the long term and those that have unfortunately kind of gone through more of a yo-yo cycle in regards to stuff. And one of the first things I'll say is there's a big thing on fear. Are you fearful of it? Are you fearful of change? Are you fearful of embarrassment? Are you fearful of failing? Sometimes people are even fearful of actually succeeding. They just don't realise. They think they want this thing, but actually it's quite scary being a different person, living a different life. And actually sometimes people like to sit in the comfort zone and that's kind of the difference of fear. The opposite to fear is comfort. But people like comfort. 
Comfort is where you're most relaxed and most at ease with stuff. And if your comfort zone is where you want to stay, that is fine. But again, own that decision. You are choosing to stay in the comfortable place rather than facing your fear of changing something in your life. Facing the fear that actually not everything you do might work out perfectly. Facing the fear that you will probably sometimes, and I use the word fail here because this is a terminology that everyone likes to use, that you will fail at something instead of actually recognising that actually stuff seems scary when you're not doing it. When you kind of jump in and start doing stuff, often things are a lot less scary in life. And that's with everything. Imagine the first day of going to a new school, the first day of starting a new job, all those things, I don't know, going out for dinner with your new partner's friends or family. Everything is scary. Now, you can either choose to never get involved in stuff and never try stuff and sit back in that comfort zone, or you can face that fear and go and give it a go and try it. And suddenly you'll probably realise it wasn't as scary as you thought making that change. So fear is a big one that I often find. And I think a lot of the time that is reflected across your whole life and your whole personality, not just how you attack kind of dieting fat loss stuff. So if you've got it in one area of life, you probably have got it in another area of life. Now, all this stuff is fixable and it's all stuff that you can work on, but you need to identify it first. The second thing that I notice with some people that struggle to reach their goals and struggle to make the changes to do the steps to get to their goals is absolute pure stubbornness. There's a stubbornness in some people that they don't want to make the change because it's not their decision, even though it should be their decision and they should take control of the decision. Having someone external tell people, tell even for me, to tell a client that I think to best reach your goals, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Even if I package that up in the most flexible, compassionate way, that is someone external telling them what they think they should do. And some people do not like that. And if that is you, and you know that actually you don't like your partner telling you what to do, you never like your parents what telling you what to do, you might be self-employed because you hated employers telling you what to do that stubbornness can cross over into all aspects of your life and sometimes you just have to let it go and accept that sometimes other people might have more expertise than you sometimes people might just have better ideas than you and sometimes people are giving you these suggestions from a place of experience and knowledge they're not saying it to you to be objective and so if you're the type of person that knows that deep down there is some stubbornness in you have a think on is that actually impacting you trying new things and reaching out and seeking support off other people as well. Uh, the next thing I see is this thing where I say people react to something rather than being proactive to it. And this often comes when people kind of get to the end of the day and clients I speak to and it's a bit like, oh my gosh, my day's gone absolutely terribly. Everything's gone wrong and everything's run out of time. You know, things, I never got to eat the food I wanted to eat because I didn't have this. And they're so firefighting their way through life that they never stop to think about what's to come. They never stop to think about how the next day is going to be, what the best case scenario on the next day is going to be, how they can set themselves up to succeed because they're constantly firefighting, constantly chasing their tail and stuff. Now, if you feel like you're that type of person, you think, well, I just, I don't even have time to be proactive. 
I'm constantly just reacting, I'm constantly fighting fires, then at some point you have to pause, put a break on stuff, stop looking back and start looking forward, okay? And that might mean some stuff that you normally do has to go. That means that some stuff in that kind of changeover period is going to be a bit messy and maybe not what you wanted as a result. But to pause and suddenly look ahead is going to be the best way that you can succeed. And again, this kind of personality trait doesn't just happen in a fat loss kind of fitness zone. It will probably be happening across your whole life. And that's why you probably always feel like in a state of anxiety, a state of kind of worry. Everything just seems to be rushing past you 100 miles an hour because you don't have control over your life. You are just reacting to stuff that's thrown at you. And so really, really try to work on that as a concept in all aspects of your life is really going to help cross over into your fat loss goals and your health goals as well. Uh, next one on my list of stuff that I see very common in regards to people that maybe are struggling to reach their goals and do the actions that are needed is this kind of wanting to not, they're, they're, how can I put this? They are happy to kind of have some torturous short-term effort instead of having a kind of softer, lower level effort for the long term. Now, what I mean by this is, willpower is something that people always use as a reason that they do or don't succeed in what they want to do. Oh, I had no willpower yesterday. Oh, that person has loads of willpower. Oh, I used my willpower today to not have that chocolate bar or whatever it is. Willpower is takes up a lot of brain power at that time. It's a really conscious function your body and your brain has to do to make a decision and do an action at the time. And constantly relying on willpower is never going to be a long-term thing. So instead of putting in the effort of slowly trying to ingrain and slowly build up a new habit in your life that might take a little bit of effort to start with, but then it will slowly build into a habit. And let's talk about walking here. So if I say to someone that doesn't walk at all, okay, I don't want you to go and try and hit 10,000 steps a day. I want you to go out for a 10 minute walk. A lot of people's reaction will be, no, no, that's not going to hit my goals. I need to go and do a one hour walk. And to do that one hour walk, they're going to need all this willpower and they're going to rely on it every day. And they're going to have to have these big conversations with themselves. And 50% of the time that willpower might get them out the door for an hour walk, 50% of the time it won't. Because suddenly that willpower is not strong enough to make that decision for them. If they just did that slow, progressive, just 10 minutes this week, just 15 minutes next week, just 20 minutes next week, and then actually we're going to stop at 20 minutes, and then we're going to add on an additional walk to your day by walking to the shops at lunchtime instead of driving across the road at lunchtime, and making lots of small, easier habits which don't require willpower. People want the big ticket items. It's like people strive for the slight pain that using willpower creates, and it's just not sustainable. Willpower should really be your backup option when your current decision, your your current habit either can't happen or there's lots of other obstacles in the way. I like to use this example for willpower. So most people will have a fairly standard breakfast. Let's say cereal, let's say porridge, let's say toast, something quite normal. 
probably have it most days without not much thought process at all. No willpower is needed. You've just developed this eating habit as a habit. If you take yourself then on holiday and you're faced with an all-inclusive buffet that's still got your cereal, still got your toast, still got your porridge, but it's now got a big hot buffet platter of loads of different, obviously, cooked breakfasts and pancakes and omelettes and all that stuff. If you're trying to eat the same, your willpower is going to have to stop you going for that cooked breakfast, okay? And it's going to stop you going back for the pancakes and stop you going back for the pastries and all that stuff. That is where willpower comes in because at home, you are not constantly surrounded by a buffet of all the most delicious foods in the world. You're surrounded by your box of cereal and your box of porridge and some milk type of thing. So willpower only should come in, for examples like that, where either you are out of your normal setting and your normal habit can't happen at all, or there are suddenly other options available to you that your brain is not wired to make that decision for. What you shouldn't be relying for willpower for is to make that decision every day. Can you imagine every single morning you got up to have a breakfast and you need to have this really conscious battle in your head on do I eat cereal? Do I eat cooked breakfast? Do I eat cereal? Do I have a cooked breakfast? It doesn't happen. It does not happen. And that's the difference from when people are trying to use willpower and trying not to. Okay, so over-reliance on willpower is a big one why I find people um, unfortunately do not succeed. Now, they probably do succeed in the, in the short term. So people that like to use willpower to kind of get themselves through life will probably have a lovely crash diet experience where they'll probably lose half a stone in a week because they actually can use that willpower for a week to make some really kind of big, bold choices in regards to what they're eating. They can make some big, bold choices in regards to how much they suddenly exercise, but it runs out very quickly and then they fall back to where they were. So non-reliance on willpower, or stop relying on willpower, start building those small, steady, slow habits through repetition of little behaviours is going to help. The big reason that people will give me for why they can't succeed the goals with fat loss, and I make this specific to fat loss, is time. And this is my tough love number three. It is not time. Okay, now you're going to hate me for saying this, but hear me out, okay? I know people are very busy, especially probably the people that listen to this podcast, especially my customers and all my clients. I work predominantly with clients that are mums of either young kids, school kids, or kids generally that are leaving home. A lot of ladies are working either full-time or mostly full-time, 25, 30-hour contracts. They're trying to run a house. They're trying to run a career. They're trying to run the family. They're busy. Now, yes, there are sections of the population that aren't going to be busy, your 20-year-olds that are now just standing on Instagram taking photos of themselves in the gym where they've been for two hours every day for five days. Yes, they have time, but stop comparing yourself to them. You are not them and you probably don't even want to be them. So stop comparing yourself to them. You are, let's say, a 38-year-old woman with three kids that works part-time that is juggling stuff constantly, okay? But there is also thousands of other people in the same shoes as you with similar time pressures than you which do actually manage to live the life that you're wanting to achieve that do manage to keep their body in a shape where their body fat is lower where their fitness levels are higher where their strength levels are higher 
where their stress is more controlled. So it is possible and it isn't time. It's what you do with that time and the choices you make in that time. Okay, so most results for fat loss are going to come from the choices you make in regards to what you eat. Okay, most of it comes down to food. Yes, exercise can help. Yes, being more active in your day-to-day life so you're not sedentary is definitely going to help. And those aspects, the exercise and the kind of general walking activity will probably have some time constraints on them. There is going to be a limiting factor there. What there isn't a limiting factor on is what foods you are choosing to eat. Because unless you are one of the clients that come to me and said, this is probably only 5% of the time, where people are going through the whole day skipping meals because they don't stop to eat because they say they don't have enough time to eat, which does happen. And they still sometimes end up needing fat loss support because they just then overeat later on in the day. So unless you fit into that small group, most people on a fat loss journey are stopping and eating during the day. Even if that stopping and eating is actually them eating in the car, they are eating. So it's not a case of you not having time to eat. It's a choice of what you're eating at that time. And people don't like to hear that, which is why I put it in my tough love episode, because it is such an easy reason to give yourself. And you probably don't even realise you're saying it to yourself, but we like to give ourselves reasons and excuses for why we can't do stuff because it kind of justifies in our head why we haven't done anything. But you choosing to stop, I don't know, let's say you, I've got some clients that have uh, kids at university so let's say you've got a three-hour journey to go and see your friends or your kid at university. And let's say you didn't have time. This is quite often a thing. I didn't have time to make some food for the journey. We're going to have to stop at the service station. I end up having McDonald's. Okay, let's unpick that. Your service station stop is probably going to be half an hour. You're going to queue up for McDonald's for probably 15 minutes. You're then going to probably sit and eat that McDonald's in the service station probably for 15 minutes. So there is half an hour window there where you have stopped to eat anyway. You could have added that half an hour on to, yes, potentially leaving home half an hour later. And it wouldn't even be half an hour hour later to make a little picnic box for the car, to make a little sandwich or to make a little salad or to take a pasta dish, to cut some fruit up and put it in a Tupperware box, to get a bottle of water instead of going to buy a fizzy drink. Like where you choose to move your time will impact your choices. When you go, let's say, for that stereotypical meal deal that I talk about for a lot of people that kind of stop in, that have office jobs that go to a supermarket, walking and getting one type of food off a shelf compared to another type of food on your shelf doesn't take any more time. What it takes is a little bit more thought and a proactiveness into thinking about what you're trying to achieve from what you're buying. What's really happening is you're just going to default mode default habit mode of just picking up the stuff that you're used to. Even taking the time to look on a packet to see how many calories are in something literally takes milliseconds. So using the excuse that you don't have time to look at what you're buying just isn't unfortunately a feasible excuse if you're wanting to make long-term change. Just do little actions often and they will build up. I'm not saying in the supermarket you're going to go along and look at all 30 items on the Tesco aisle, every sandwich, every pasta dish, every salad that they have in the meal deal. But if you know that there's three different sandwiches that you normally choose between, and you're just going to look on the front of that packet at the number that's there, 
That does not take you 10 seconds to do, okay? But the choice that you make in those 10 seconds can have a big impact over time consistently with whether you're going to reach your goals or not. When time is used as an excuse for why people have takeaways, that's where I unfortunately do push back. And I'm not anti-takeaway at all. I'm anti-people saying that that was their only option to eat. Takeaways take time. Takeaways, you have to phone them up. Sometimes you're going to sit and wait for them. If you go in and pick it up, you're going to have that travel journey or the walking journey to pick it up. You are then going to still come and eat it. You're going to get your knives and forks out. You're going to sit down. You're going to eat it. There is probably going to be a time period of at least half an hour, if not an hour, between when you order your takeaway and when you eat your takeaway. That time could be made to put the kettle on, put some water in a bowl of pasta, cook some pasta and chuck a jar of tomato sauce on top. Now you're probably thinking, well, that's not very Nikki-ish. That's not what she says in regards to healthy eating. But it is if it's the difference between having a takeaway, which has got 1,200, 1,500 calories in by the time you've added your naan bread on and your poppadom on and some sauces on and a spring roll on the side and whatever else you might do. Or having a bowl of pasta and some tomato sauce that could be 400 calories, Okay. Cooking does not have to take time if you just have some stuff ready. You have your backup options, one ready in your cupboards, but two ready in your head. You know that the days that you are running tight on time, you have a backup option. My backup option is beans on toast. It probably comes out once every three weeks. And it generally happens after I've had a long day at work, after I've taken my son to a club and I'm starving hungry and I've realised I haven't cooked anything at home and I'm going to drive past five different takeaways in Honiton and I can so easily stop in. And very occasionally I do, very occasionally actually I want to have, let's say, some fish and chips and that's fine. But the one, if I want to have fish and chips, that's fine. What I'm not going to do is buy fish and chips on the excuse that I don't have time to cook. Because I know that I could be home and my beans on toast could be on the plate before I've even picked up the fish and chips from the shop. So time is not a reason to use takeaway foods as your go-to meal. Have a takeaway if you want it, but make a special occasion of it. Don't use it as a default thing to your time. Sorry if that sounds harsh. My empathetic side of my coach will always try, I will always try to make sure I think about ways that you can implement stuff into your life based on your time restrictions. And that's particularly where I'd look in regards to bulk prepping foods. So when you're cooking one meal, you're actually cooking two. When you're, I don't know, got the oven on for doing a Sunday roast, you cook up another chicken you cook up some more vegetables you cook up some potatoes you cook up stuff that you can eat and graze on for the next few days without having to think about cooking anything else when we're talking about time in regards to other aspects of your life this is where especially as a coach I will be I said a lot more flexible in regards to your life because going out for walks does take time if those walks are just a walk and you're coming back home which is why for those that are more pressed for time, that's where we'll look at how we can integrate those walks 
into other activities that you're already doing. Now, that could be into social activities. So instead of meeting a friend for a coffee, you meet a friend for a walk and get a quick takeaway coffee on the way around. It could be walking the school run. And sometimes I suggest to clients, depending on their situation, you drive to school, you drop your kids off at school so they don't have to walk. You then walk home and then six hours later when school's over, you're back to school, pick up your kid and drive them home. If you don't need your car during the day, that's an amazing way of getting your steps in. We will find other ways to get walks in. So it can be all those small, tiny things. You take the stairs, not the escalators. You park at the far end of Tesco's car park, not in the kids' space right outside the front door. All those little things. You walk to your friend's house instead of drive to your friend's house. That's where you can get your steps in. And then when we're looking at exercise, it's again, narrowing down. If you are tight on time, you do not need to be in the gym five days a week. You do not need to be in the gym for one hour classes or one hour gym sessions a week. You can do 20 minutes at home two or three times a week. And if that's more than you were doing at the start, then you are progressing. You are going to be burning more calories. You're going to be burning, building more muscle. Narrowing down your expectations and utilising time more successfully is going to be where results are. And then there's the one other thing that comes to time is you can wake up earlier. People seem to want to wake up as late as possible to get their stuff done in the day. They get excited when they've had a lie-in till 10 o'clock in the morning on a weekend. Now, to me, that is three hours you could have done something. Now, yes, if you want to have a lie-in and that makes you feel very wholesome and that makes you relax and that's a treat for the week and that's kind of how you recharge your batteries, have your lie-in. But then don't say that you don't have time to do stuff because especially if you've got kids in your household, finding little pockets of time that you can have time by yourself to do the things that you want, either for a mental break from your children or a physical break where you can actually do other stuff you want to do, like a workout, like going for a walk, like doing some food prep, any of that stuff. You have to find pockets of time. So assuming you are getting six hours, seven hours minimum of sleep, you can then start pinching time for that morning. It is not uncommon in countries like Australia for everyone to get up at five o'clock in the morning. In our country, it's not common, but that doesn't mean it can't be you. Get yourself up half an hour before whatever you do now, and then in a month's time, get yourself half an hour up early before that again, and suddenly realise how you now have a pocket of time that you can achieve stuff that's going to be in line with your goals. Equally, at the other end of the day, be realistic on how productive you are in those last few hours. Now, everyone does need time to relax. I'm not saying you should be productive and effective every minute of every day. But if you're staying up late watching three or four hours of TV at night time, way past when you're probably going to want to exercise. If you're staying up late, what are you getting from that time? Are you better to go to bed early and wake up early and do something productive? Up to you, your choice, your life. But again, if you're the type of person that uses time as your reason for not getting stuff done, actually have a really honest look at your life and are there pockets of time you can think of. And when we think about exercise, something I like to often explain to people is for those that don't go to the gym or don't exercise somewhere externally, I often hear the excuse that I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to get there. I don't have time to do my workout. Gyms are open 24 hours a day for a reason. Because people go 24 hours a day. Now, does someone after a night shift that finishes at 3am actually really want to go to the gym? Maybe not. But 
if they prioritise exercise in their life and they realise that they don't go at 3am to the gym and they go home and they sleep and they wake up and then suddenly they're on the school run and then suddenly they're into kids clubs and then they're going back to work that evening, they can't ever go to the gym. So they do go at 3am in the morning because that was works for them. Some of the busiest gyms are busy at 10 o'clock at night because that's actually once the kids are in bed and people have gone to the gym after the kids are in bed, that's the only time they can get a workout in. So if you're sat thinking, I want to look like that person on the TV or I want to look like that person that lives down the road, but I don't have the time to do it. Actually think about when are they doing that stuff? Because they probably aren't doing it in the middle of the day. They probably aren't doing it at a time that seems the nice appropriate time to do it. They are probably juggling everything around in their life to get there at whatever time is physically possible. So again, that's just a bit of kind of tough love in regards to realising that sometimes you have to step outside of that comfort zone or when things would be nice to do and actually figure out that if you want the results that you say you want, you're going to sometimes have to get uncomfortable with these new aspects. So to summarise all those things, if you want to get to your goals, the first thing you're going to probably need to change is your mindset. Mindset holds the key to all your physical changes, okay? You need to have a can-do attitude to change. You don't want to sit behind excuses anymore. You want to find a reason that might be an obstacle in your way and figure out a solution to it. Figure out somehow you can get over that hurdle that still takes you on the path you want. Accept that you're not always going to get things right. Failing is the best way to learn. Okay, but if you don't try something, you don't fail, you don't figure out it's wrong, you can't put steps in place to do better next time. So always, always go into things knowing it might not be perfect, it might not work. But what I am always going to do is reflect on it, learn from it. And next time I'm now equipped to achieve it better. And the last thing I'll say is you need to recognise your successes, no matter how small and tiny they are. You need to praise yourself because if you praise yourself and you recognise you've done something well, you're going to want to do it again. And that's where it links in as well, getting other people around you to also be on your team, your friends, your family, your work colleagues, get them on your side so they also can praise your successes and get you progressing. So that's it. Tough love done. I hope this has not made you upset. I hope this has inspired you to actually get going on your goals. If goal, if your goals are truly what you want and you truly want to change your life to a level that allows you to live those goals for the long term, then the only person getting in your way and the only thing getting in your way is you and your brain and your mindset towards it, okay? So good luck. You know where I am if you ever need me. Always drop me a message. Take care. Smile's back on. Happy Nikki is back. Bye.